Yo, what's up, Petro? What's up, hey, Mark? How you doing, man? Good. Hey, everyone. Uh, this was our elevator music and uh, going down to the Batcave. <laughs> yes, quite a travel. Quite a travel. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for this exciting discussion we have today, man. Uh, as just a little preface, we got King, our, our resident gargoyle, coming on up. Welcome, my man. How you doing today? Grand Rising, Buck and Petro, ready to go. Got my fresh cough up a cup of coffee, fresh Bustelo, Cafe Bustelo, ready to go. So, yeah, let's get going. What's going on, fellas? Oh, King, I had to say, I had my first coffee Bustelo uh, about a month ago. I was with some friends, and we went, and uh, it was a specialty store, and they had it, and it was amazing. Now I totally understand why you love that stuff. It is. It really is. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's great. I'm happy you got a chance to uh, try it out. I was gonna. I, I, you know what, man? I I, got, I was gonna send you some too. I I I gotta send some to Buck. I'm glad you had some. I'll send you both some. But yeah, I gotta send you guys some, man. But yeah, that's uh, it gets you going. That's for sure, huh, Petro? <laughs> yeah, and the food was amazing too. So we had a nice. Um, you know, we started off with just a little bit of the the coffee. Sat around, talked a little bit. Then we had a nice meal, and it was um, yeah, really impressive. Really impressive. What are you drinking this morning, Petro? What do you got going on? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm munching a little bit as well, just because I got a little hypoglycemic. But I've um, pretty much what I had yesterday, Buck. Um, uh, just my um, hazelnut coffee, little uh, oat milk, and uh, just a little hint of uh, honey in there as well. Nice, keeping it classic. Man. I like it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing the same thing as we were doing yesterday. I got some of that Illy brand. Uh, Italian beans are so good, man. Just a nice dark earthy taste. So it's one of my favorites as of late. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad you guys are able to join and get your coffee going. Looks like the room's kind of starting to fill up. I just wanted to give everybody a preface, and I kind of did this yesterday. We're gonna record this one today um, because Petro and I did record an episode for this yesterday, but I bucked up and didn't record the episode the right way and yeah it just it was a disaster so uh, i apologize to petro no, man. No. he did such a great job yesterday no. just breaking a lot of this stuff down and i'm like oh that all that work is gone so i figured we'd do this with the community and kind of get more of a an inclusion for for a wider discussion and maybe turn this into an episode you know assuming everybody's okay with it obviously we'll just leave it raw pretty much so we can kind of get everybody who's up on stage is take, you know, today if they want to join and talk to kind of, you know, be premiered on an episode with us, I guess this, uh, this week. So yeah. Petro, go ahead. Yeah. The, the, the podcast yesterday that Buck and I were going to do is we were, we're trying to, you know, kind of set up like historical documents of the bat cows, right. Important times. And, and so we put, we put that one together and then when it didn't take, which was no big deal, I mean, it's, you know, so that stuff happens. Um, we, you know, we, we kind of chatted and we said, well, why don't we just do a space, record it? We can do kind of like a Q&A, but we'll pretty much try and touch all the points that we, you know, hit yesterday. Just to kind of give you a little bit of background uh, regarding the Blue Beetle, all three iterations, the history, uh, you know, his importance in, uh, in the uh, DCU and what our feelings are about him moving forward and, 
little bit about the movie and all that stuff as well. So, um, you know, you may find that we ramble a little bit on some stuff. Uh, we kind of say just sit back and enjoy because uh, we did do we did do some pretty significant prep uh, for for the Blue Beetles. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go off on a few topics. But if anybody has any questions, obviously we want to you know we'll, we'll take any uh, um, you know interruptions and information. And more importantly, if you know if we say something wrong, obviously we want to be corrected on it. Yes, perfect points. Thank you, Petro. Yeah. So just. A fun discussion today, basically on uh, you know this guy and, and who he is and why he's important. So hopefully we do have some questions. I would love to see some people come up, or at least just some people, like you said, Petra. You know, if we get some things wrong because we're not always right, uh, just come up and correct us, right? So yeah, just to just to add to that discussion, so that way it can kind of evolve if we need to. So uh, yeah, man, um, let's, let's get started. I'm excited today. Like I said, it's going to be recorded. So if, if you guys have feelings about that, just know that if you're not talking, it won't matter. You're just here to listen today, but if you come up, you will. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, we'll probably end up featuring you on the episode this week, which will be cool. So, uh, do not fret otherwise, but yeah. Um, okay. So Petra, did you want to kind of kick it off with the blue beetle stuff or how'd you want to go about this? I know, I know you did a great job yesterday in breaking the original, uh, character down Dan Garrett and then we kind of went from there so do you want to do that again or how do you want to yeah no that sounds fine with me um, the big thing about this is um, hopefully the room will fill up with a few more people uh, but I can definitely give a little bit of the history uh, the importance of why we also wanted to do this is when you look at the history of the Blue Beetle, uh, most people obviously know Jaime Reyes because that's where the movie is going to be going um, you know, the current Blue Beetle movie that's coming out on the 18th. And, uh, um, you know, but, but his history, believe it or not, goes all the way back to 1939. This uh, predates, um, um, you know, him being in D.C. Originally, he was in a, um, a publication called Fox Feature Syndicate. And this was uh, owned by Victor S. Fox, who was a publisher. And he, uh, he, he saw how well Superman was doing and decided, hey, man, I can get into this game. So he came up with this uh, comic called Wonder Comics, and he created this guy named Wonder Man. And, and the reason I'm going to tell you about him before we get into the Blue Beetles is that um, uh, Wonder Man was basically, uh, basically a Superman ripoff, right? He just, he just had red tights, but he was, you know, could leap tall buildings uh, faster than a speeding bullet, helped people in distress, had an alter ego, um, you know, all, all the stuff that, that Superman had and DC, you know, was kind of getting fed up with people trying to take their product. So they sued him and uh, they won right away. And he got, he had to uh, rescind and uh, wonder, wonder comics only had one issue with wonder man. And the importance of that is because now we get into the blue Beatles and, and yeah, we know Jaime Reyes is the current iteration, but there's, there's um, Ted Cord, which is the, the iteration right before Jaime Reyes. And then the original uh, Blue Beetle was Dan Garrett. And Dan Garrett was created um, by Will Eisner and, and Iger and Iger Studios um, and basically appeared in Mystery Men Comics, which again was a Fox feature syndicate comic um, in 1939. And again, at that time, uh, the Green Hornet was kind of big. And if you see the first iterations of the Blue Beetle, he basically looks like the Green Hornet, but in a blue suit with a beetle tie. Um, 
so he uh, so so Victor Fox was at it again and kind of went on. And anyways, the first iterations are that um, that Dan Garrett is a uh, a college student. He's a dropout and he wants to become a police officer and follow in the footsteps of his father, who just like every other superhero had his father was killed in the line of duty. And he wants to step into his shoes and kind of do whatever he um, you know can to, to fight crime um, and clean up the city. And uh, he comes across this guy uh, named Dr. Franz, who's a pharmacist and comes up with this incredible um, vitamin called 2X, vitamin 2X, which gave uh, Dan Garrett super strength. And he ended up getting a bulletproof suit. And that was his thing. He just kind of went on, you know, being the Blue Beetle and uh, uh, going about his business. And he had, um, you know, I think he had his first um, uh, volume of comics was back in 1954. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was basically just reprints of the earlier stuff from, from Mystery Men. But then eventually um, uh, he gets sold to, uh, to well, uh, somehow Charlton Comics, which was a publication company, which uh, was just for magazines, they, um, they uh, basically took over the Blue Beetle. And Charlton Comics is important because they also had, uh, you know, a, a string of superheroes, which were um, uh, um, Peacemaker, which we all know very well came from actually Charlton Comics. Uh, the Question came from there, The Blue Beetle, um, which was Dan Garrett, and, uh, um, and a couple of other ones, which I'm, I'm just blanking on right now, Buck, I can't remember. Um, Judo Master, Thunderbolt, yeah. uh, just to name a couple. Yeah, anyways, but, but Don, Dan Garrett gets taken over by Charlton, and, uh, and his, uh, his backstory has changed, right? Rather than him being a police officer following the footsteps of his father, now he's an archaeologist. And during his, uh, his travels, he comes uh, across a tomb where there's a good pharaoh, which um, we later find out is uh, 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 Roth A. Carr or something. I can't remember the, the pharaoh's name. But anyways, the blue... Yeah, I didn't write that down either. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Ka, Ka F. Ray. Ka F. Ray was the, uh, the uh, pharaoh. And we find out that uh, Dan Garrett finds this scarab, um, the, the Blue Beetle, which uh, in, in, you know, endows him with um, very similar like, story to Captain Marvel and Shazam, right? Because anytime he says uh, 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 Kaje Da, which is what we'll find out later on is the name of the scarab, he, uh, you know, he gets uh, basically superpowers like you know he, he you know uh, and and they're varied and they're kind of all over the place but um but again it's another iteration of the blue beetle kind of borrowing from other people that were already out there right because remember at that point shazam had already been out and was a massive success and here we are now an archaeologist finds a pharaoh almost like the wizard shazam says the magic words and becomes a uh, superhero, right? So that's, uh, unfortunately, that's going to be kind of a common theme uh, with the Blue Beetle. But, uh, but anyway, so we, we go through that. He doesn't really last that long. He's got, a, I think he's got about like 10 issues or something like that. And then they decide um, that they, um, they're going to basically, um, you know, uh, recreate him, but um, kind of, um, 
go through it all again. But, uh, you know, he, he basically disappears for a period of time because, uh, um, you know, there's just, there wasn't really that much interest in him. And then he reappears, I think, in Captain Adam number 83 as the all-new Blue Beetle. And now this is November of, of 66. And uh, the important thing about this is it's starting to get drawn by Steve Ditko, which everybody must know, right? Steve Ditko was massive. He's the, you know, uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, uh, creator of Doctor Strange, Spider-Man. I mean, just, you know, he's, he's a god. But he, he got into a fight with Stan Lee, ends up going to Charlton Comics. Charlton Comics puts him on Captain Adam, and he goes, hey, I can also draw that Blue Beetle thing if you want. And he goes, okay. So he starts drawing Blue Beetle, and uh, and Gary Frederick was the writer, and and that's when they got serious about um, the Blue Beetle because now he changes from Dan Garrett to Ted Cord, and this is pretty important. Uh, uh, Buck, did you have anything you wanted to add about this stuff? No, just doing a great job, man. I was going to say that just anybody out there looking up the Blue Beetle, Dan Garrett, they did uh, reiterate the character at a point. So originally he was Dan Garrett with, I believe, just one T. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. they bring him back later on as Dan Garrett with the second T once they kind of pick up that popularity with the character. So just a little FYI, if anybody's trying to search for him or look him up. Uh, yeah, there are two technical different, different iterations, right? I think Petra is a police officer in the first run and then the archaeologist in the second run. Yeah, so there's two volumes, you're right, that are uh, being done. And uh, the first volume, which was still under Victor S. Fox, has him as a single letter Garrett T. And that's when he's the cop. Then he gets two T's in the last name. And that's when he's the archaeologist. And that's when they um, kind of... Um, try to step up their game but um but um yeah so good points on there as well the other thing as well is he also had a sidekick uh dan garrett did right he had a because you know batman had a sidekick robin and that was very successful so what whoop, guess what now blue kick uh, blue beetle's got a sidekick and his name was sparky and sparky was super annoying because he was sparkington f worthington the third or something like that so his alter ego was this annoying rich little kid and and uh he was a uh, Sparky when he was with the, the Blue Beetle. But uh, anyways, the, um, the important thing, uh, coming back now to November of 66, and so now we're almost, I think, on volume three of the Blue... Well, he's being introduced now, but he's under, again, Steve Ditko, uh, Gary Friedrich are writing him, but the important thing that we see are, are kind of important stuff that comes through. Number one is Ted Cord is an industrialist and inventor. He doesn't actually get the powers of the blue beetle and and uh, the way they and and there's an introduction of with him with be uh being in the bug which is the vertical takeoff and landing vehicle that he has and everybody kind of knows it the bug is pretty classic we're going to see it in the movie i mean it's 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 very important and it's it's been created by uh ted cord and the story goes like so originally we know that dan garrett um, had, um, you know, was a police officer. They, they retconned that to him being an archaeologist. Now they retcon it to Ted Cord, but they also bring Dan Garrett. And, and Ted Cord is um, uh, at this time working for his uncle named Uncle Jarvis. And Uncle Jarvis is the leader of robotics in the world. He's creating all these uh, super robots. Um, and there's a massive explosion and, and Uncle Jarvis is presumed to be dead. And while 
uh, Ted Cord is um, kind of there on the scene of the crime. He finds a film reel that talks about this Pago Island. He ends up going to Dan um, Garrett, who is, um, I guess, his kind of almost like mentor. And they both end up going to this Pago Island to find Jarvis, Uncle Jarvis, who they do find. And we turn out, it turns out, and it's beautifully drawn, actually, by uh, Steve Ditko, just the classic kind of facial features that he does and all that stuff. But we basically find out that uh, Uncle Jarvis is a mad scientist. He's created a, a, you know, a whole league of, of robots that he wants to take over, and they're indestructible robots, and he wants to take over the world. Uh, obviously, Dan Garrett can't do it. He, uh, he exposes himself that he's uh, the Blue Beetle, and uh, there's a massive fight, and Dan Garrett is killed. And as the the whole building or whatever mountain is starting to come down on top of him, he tells you know Ted here take the the scarab, which we're not 100 percent sure if he actually gets the scarab or he has it. Like there's iterations where he does have it, and there's other iterations where he doesn't have it. But we know that he does have it at some point. But due to the editor in chief at that time, who was Dick Giordano. He didn't want him to have superpowers. He wanted him to be a Batman-like character. So, so he basically, you know, was pretty heavy-handed in saying, "Don't let him have the powers of the Scarab. Just keep him as an industrialist inventor, and let him just kind of be all the inventions, which we're gonna, which are very important. We're gonna see that in um, in uh, Blue Beetle Graduation Day, the comic we're going to, uh, that Buck's going to talk about later on. And uh, we're going to see it in the movie as well, as well right? Like De Ted Cord does not ever um, manipulate the scarab. All his powers come from being a rich guy that makes inventions and fights crime. So, like somebody else, I can't put my finger on who, but but very similar to, to oh, we have Batman. Yeah, Batman. So, um so anyway, so so now we know that uh, that uh, we got Ted Cord, we got the bug. Dan Garrett is dead, but uh, like Buck says, uh, nobody ever stays dead in comics, and he will eventually uh, kind of make his way back as well. And and the importance of this was again, Dick Gier Dick Giordano was the editor in chief at the time uh, for um, for Carlton Comics. They uh, go out of business and sell their line of superheroes to uh, DC in 1983. So they, uh, and, and Dick Giordano goes over to DC and becomes the editor chief there as well. And the important part of this, which is really important if you're kind of interested is remember the, the, the names I said, the question, Peacemaker, Captain Adam, Nightshade, Blue Beetle, Actually, all these characters were going to be used in a new comic, which was being um, uh, uh, written by Alan Moore, called The Watchmen. And DC at the last minute said, nah, we, we want to keep these guys for our, our own line of comics. So Alan just basically wrote equivalents to everybody that came over from, from Charlton Comics. So the question was Rorschach in The Watchmen. Uh, Peacemaker ended up being uh, the comedian. Uh, Captain Adam was, of course, um, uh, um, ma um, Captain Manhattan. Wait, um, Buck help. Um, um, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was, the yeah. blue guy. So, um, Captain. Oh, man, Jesus. Uh, Captain Adam was, yes, Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. Sorry, sorry, I was blanking there. Um, and uh, and the owl in the Watchmen was 
the Blue Beetle equivalent. And that's why the owl ship looks exactly like the bug. So I thought that was a really neat um, uh, you know, thing to kind of uh, um, learn about. But anyways, so, so you know, on top of that, now Peacemaker is brought into uh, the DC universe. But remember, um, the, the characters of Charlton Comics were a separate entity. They weren't in the DCU or what people thought of the DCU. And at that time, uh, remember, uh, DC was already having problems with their multiversal thing, and they were slipping into a crisis on infinite Earths in hopes of trying to consolidate and simplify all their their storylines and characters that they owned but couldn't bring into the DC universe, which included Captain Marvel, right? Like they had purchased Captain Marvel and weren't using him. Um, uh, Shazam, as he was later known, because Marvel took the name. But um, but they also had all these uh, Carlton uh, Charlton uh, characters, which when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths, all the Earths were obliterated except for four that were brought together. The main Earth, Earth 4, which is the Earth that the Charlton Comics characters lived on, and Earth S, which was uh, where the Shazam uh, Marvel family was, and Earth X, which I can't remember what they were, but I, don't, I think they were the World War II X or something. I can't remember. But anyway, so those all came together. And when they did, that brought in um, the Blue Beetle as well. And remember, he was in, uh, if, you, if you read Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I highly recommend, um, great, great 12-issue uh, story, uh, the Blue Beetle's right at the beginning of it. Um, you, you'll see him there with the bug, and and he uh, he plays a little bit of a role there as well. But it's Ted Kord's Blue Beetle, so um, so yeah, we've got Crisis on Infinite Earths, and then uh, the other little important piece of information you have to know is uh, Carapax. Um, we have the the McFarland. Um, the McFarland uh, uh, digital drop. Uh, McFarland Toys Digital is going to be dropping their. Um, uh, NFTs of the Blue Beetle. Uh, there's four of them uh, on uh, on Thursday, and uh, they're going to have the Blue Beetle, the Blue Beetle with the sword, the sword itself, and one of the major villains from the movie, which is Carapax. And Carapax is Carapax is important because he went um, back to the island, the Pago Island, and uh, was digging around trying to find the Scarab and tech that he knew Jarvis had on the island and ended up getting his consciousness um, put into one of the indestructible robots, which is going to be the red robot that you're going to see in the movie and on the digital drop as well. So, uh, so that's, um, I think those are the most important points other than, and I'm going to take a breath right now because I've been just talking and I'm sure everybody is hopefully not bored out of their tears, but that takes care of Dan Garrett, and Ted Cord, and then the next thing that we're going to talk about is Countdown to Infinite Crisis, which is like the another amazing book, and then Infinite Crisis, and then of course um, the importance of those being the introduction of Jaime Reyes, which is the third um, uh, iteration of the Blue Beetle, and the most important, the most powerful, the most relatable, and all that stuff as well. So I didn't know if you wanted to talk about. Uh, Countdown a little bit, Bob. Yeah. Just take a yeah, breath so and see if anybody has any questions. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So, yeah, feel free to come up, anybody, of course, obviously, as we kind of open up into Jaime here, uh, his history and, and what his basically significance is. So, uh, before we do that, I did want to kind of touch base on the Scarab because at this point in time, 
we're starting to learn a little bit, like in terms of DC's history and timeline, we're uh, as fans starting to learn a little bit more about what the Scarab is, where it comes from, and, and basically what its purpose is or has been. Uh, and we know that uh, that actually starts in, in Reach World, a uh, planet called Reach World, way, way out, uh, one of the oldest races. And what happens is there's a war uh, long ago. I don't know the exact time, but pretty much almost at the beginning of time, sometime around then, uh, there's a war between the Owens, which is the planet where the green uh, lanterns come from. Uh, there's a war between them and Reach World, which are called, their people are just called the Reach. Uh, so essentially these massive warring factions were so big that I believe they came to a stalemate, correct me if I'm wrong, Petro, where they, basically had a, uh, you know, it came to a non-aggression treaty pact sort of agreement where, you know, they just couldn't, they, you know, they couldn't get beyond uh, a certain point of war. So th at that point, I believe the Owens had kind of put them under strict watch and basically said that no more, like you guys cannot create anything else, no technology, no weaponry, nothing. So they put them under strict watch to basically, you know, agree to this treaty. But in the meantime, I guess while they were supposedly under that pact, Reach, the Reach had secretly developed the Scarab, right? Kaji Da. So what their plan was, was to basically, it was an act of subterfuge where they essentially sent the Scarab out to developing planets or at least scouted for, for powerful people on developing planets to essentially influence them to the point where it could take over that planet and then move further with you know conquering that access. go ahead pedro sorry i'm sure i missed something there uh yeah no i just wanted to interject again we're, we're saying words that people might not know but may also know as well um young justice the animated show uh the second season is pretty much centered around the blue beetle and uh their enemy called the reach and i'm sure we're going to see the reach at some point uh because they're the creators of the scarabs um, that the scarab technology, which um, the scarabs themselves are uh, bio um, biomechanical weaponry that is imbued with artificial intelligence and fuses with the host's skin. So it actually, like the the exoskeleton that you see, is actually embedded in the skin itself and is very painful when it comes out, as you guys have seen the, the transformation in the shows, but they never really um, go into that uh, detail of the transformation. But like Buck was saying, the Reach was, uh, you know, a, a race that just took over universes. And when the Green Lantern shut them down, they said, listen, you guys can't do this anymore. Stop it. And they said, well, okay, that sounds good. But then they sent the scarabs out to, to basically land on planets. And that's important because as best as we can tell, our scarab, Kajada, the blue, the blue beetle, uh, has been here for like 4,000 years and was first taken over by that pharaoh, uh, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, and he kind of controlled his people, Ka F. Ray. Um, but then we don't know how it happened, but he got lost. And, and, and basically what the Scarab is supposed to do is um, have a database which uh, holds all its information and instructions. And the instructions are always, hey, um, find, uh, wait till there's technological advancement of the race, then find somebody worthy, bond with them, create an infiltrator, 
and uh, learn everything you can about them um, and then help us take over the planet. So the, the infiltrator, which would be Kajida, the blue beetle, would take over the planet. Now, what happened with ours and why he's not doing that and working for the reach is that the database somehow ended up in the head of of uh, peacemaker we're not 100 percent sure uh, how that even I, I need to read up more on that but somehow um the, the the important thing is is that the scarab was detached from the database that gave him the information so he basically was uh, um, artif uh, uh, an autonomous artificial intelligence and when he bonded with Jaime reyes he didn't really um, need to enact uh, the uh, the protocol that would basically take over the planet and he'd work for the reach, which also included uh, Dan Garrett, right? Because he all, you know, they, they, all, they always try to clean up the, the timelines that don't work for, from the previous as well. So, um, so anyway, sorry, sorry, about, about, Buck, I just wanted to interject that stuff. No, yeah. no, no. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I always uh, miss some of the, the broader strokes there. So, basically to that point, right? Like we're, we're seeing this, this expansive history kind of open up, which is important for the graduation day comic and everything that kind of develops after that. But essentially I think in, in the, in the history of all of this, I think we also get the, the history of how lady sticks, who's an enemy, I think of like blue beetle and sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, I, I just kind of breezing over that. Uh, my point though is that, Essentially, we, we see this history of the, the, the scarab kind of develop because I know you kind of touched on it there, Petro, but at some point in its history, the scarab gets imbued with magical powers, which actually is really, really important because basically, <laughs> it, I mean, if, if anybody knows, I mean, of the current, like basically uh, Titans, uh, the newer generation of heroes, a lot of them are tying to, to DC's fabric of power and magic and where that kind of goes and leads to. So what happens is I believe at some point when the scarab breaks off from some world that it's on, it escapes, I believe a green lanterns uh, hunt for it. Uh, and at that point, I believe it goes to Petro, correct me, the rock of eternity where we basically see yeah. some sort of process happen. We don't really know no. something happens. What there. happens with is with um, countdown to infinite crisis, um, Part of uh, the Countdown to Infinite Crisis is Ted Cord uh, basically trying to find out, um, uh, you know, what's going on with uh, Checkmate and Brother Eye and, and uh, the database that, um, what's his name? Who's the villain that kills him? Um, um, Maxwell, Maxwell, yeah, Lord. Maxwell Lord. Um, yeah, during that event, he um, he ends the, the Shazam actually calls him to the Rock of Eternity, and and the Blue Beetle has the capability to actually open the Rock of Eternity, and he walks in. Um, so we find out that the Blue Beetle, or, the, or actually the Scarab itself, has the power to you know, must have magical component to it, which Dr. Fate had told them that it does. But remember, we're dealing with Dan, Te uh, Ted Cord, and Shazam goes, listen, you're just, you're, you don't even, you can't even control the scarab. And he basically throws him out of the rock of eternity. He keeps the scarab. And, uh, and uh, there's a, a, another story going on with the specter and the specter is basically um, um, confused by Eclipso and told that all magical beings are evil, go kill them. And he goes and actually destroys 
the wizard Shazam explodes the Rock of Eternity and all the fragments rain down on El Paso. Uh, and, and that's where the scarab actually is found by Jaime Reyes. So that's how, that's how the scarab goes from Ted Cord owning it somehow ends up in the Rock of Eternity, which, which shows that it's got a magical quality to it because it could survive in there and open the, uh, the portal to it. And that's how then it ends up in, in Jaime Reyes's hands, um, which we're going to, I think we're going to see in the movie too, right? Because it's going to be, I'm not, I'm not sure how he's going to get it um, in, in, uh, in the movie, but, um, but that, that's an important point that it's, it's basically, uh, it's found its way to him because Ted Cord couldn't um, enact the scarab to, to bond with him. Yeah, no, on the movie, I think uh, it's his, Ted's daughter or something like that that supposedly gives the scarab to, to Jaime if I remember the trailers correctly. But no, I think uh, I, I did some digging last night, actually, Petro. And uh, the, just really quick. Uh, so when the scarab actually comes down to Earth in basically like 4,000 years BC or whatever the case is, Arion, who is the ancient sorcerer of Atlantis, like he's like basically the, the, the man when it comes to magic in terms of uh, Atlantis. So he actually, uh, I think, took part in imbuing part of uh, the magical elements of that scarab to basically get it to where it is because he saw a way to use it and just basically conquered a lot of, you know, a lot of what was going on back then. So he also was kind of like a protector of humans too. I think he was, he was doing some good things, but also some shady things with it. But for the most part, yeah, he had a lot of magical power and I'm pretty sure he was the reason why it's been imbued if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, just a little footnote there for anybody, but Ariane is, yeah, somebody I've, I've been kind of teasing with the hero staff too, to, to maybe get on the card someday because he's just a badass. But anyway, uh, yes, Ted Cord, his daughter, uh, who I think is, I don't think is an actual character, but is somebody created for the movie. Maybe somebody can correct me on that. Uh, isn't, is, uh, are you talking about Victoria Cord his sister? No, no. So he, so there. I checked out the cast last night just to, to make sure I got the actor's name yeah. right, which is Zolo Medwenia. Medwenia, uh, yeah, is the is Blue Beetle. Yeah. So I think um, the the girl that I saw in the movie that like hands him the box is Ted Cord's daughter. I think it's Jenny Cord is what she's going by in the movie. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize he had a daughter. So I don't know if she's just like somebody they haven't really brought much attention to the comics or what the case is but yeah um so yeah as, as we kind of open up i mean if you guys wanted to know the first appearance of jaime is uh infinite crisis number three that's when uh petro had mentioned we we see him pick up the scarab over by the river or wherever it is and and you know that situation but the other part of that is uh petro i believe correct me was it five or was it six the infinite crisis that we see him in the actual blue beetle suit for the first yeah time? the 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 comic that's pretty popular is infinite crisis five and that's where jaime reyes is uh kind of like the first appearance as the blue beetle in in three and four he finds the the scarab and it melds with his back uh while he's sleeping uh, because it causes a neural link to happen, like it bonds, it bonds with his uh, 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 nervous system. Um, but he doesn't actually appear as the Blue Beetle until Infinite Crisis Five, 
which is important because the, the comic that we're getting on um, uh, DC3 on Thursday is actually the 2006, which is actually the sixth volume of the Blue Beetle already, if you can think about it. But it's his, it's his first, uh, it's Jaime Reyes' first solo series as the Blue Beetle, which is in 2006. Yes, and that, that I think picks up right with the explosion of the scarab basically coming out of the Rock of Eternity, if I'm not mistaken. Like the first few pages and panels are, are literally that. So, um, yeah, kind of a cool, basically, intro beyond what we see in Infinite Crisis number three and four for him kind of bonding with the scarab. But, um, yeah, picking up with Graduation Day, um, I'm going to breeze through this one because we did a breakdown yesterday and I wanted to cut some fat. So, you know, those of you who are going to see it, don't get too, too much spoiled, but enough to kind of know what's going on. But uh, yeah, Petra, please feel free to jump in at any point because, again, I'm going to broad stroke it here. Um, but basically, we pick up with Jaime on uh, his graduation day, which he's very late to, right? He's in the process of fighting. Oh, before, uh, before you get into it, I apologize, Buck. Um, just so people know, What's up? Uh, the Blue Beetle graduation day was a 2022 six-issue miniseries which came out um, a little while ago. It's, it's very consistent with the dawn of DC and is a great, like if you just want to start reading about the Blue Beetle, it is a great starting point. Um, it's got a lot of information. It's beautifully drawn and the story is really good. And you get information about the Reach, Horizon, current villains, um, and everybody that I think is going to be in the movie as well. So I would, uh, if if you're a bat cow holder and you have the ability to get the uh, DC Universe Infinite Reader, even for 30 days, go do it and read Graduation Day. It'll really, uh, I think it'll really set you up very well. Uh, number one for reading the comics, because they're all there on the Infinite Reader, all six, and it'll get you ready for the movie. Go ahead, Buck, sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. I didn't realize we just didn't go through that. So, yes, great point, man. Um, graduation day in itself is is the key to the movie, right? So, I mean, even down to Susan Sarandon and her basic, that basically literal translation from the comic book character to what she looks like there to what she looks like here. I think Petra and I were joking yesterday that, like, they nailed it when they were doing character design because, yeah, she kind of looks just like her. So... It's all very timely. Um, you know what I mean? I think they're, what they're doing here is kind of a similar approach to what Marvel's been doing. If anybody's been paying attention to their comics and their movies, how most of the time when they release a comic nowadays, there's a likeness to the character that played that role in the movie. So I think that they're trying to get ready for that because obviously we're seeing DC go to the multiverse and take that, that major step. So yeah, if, if we see these elements tying to movies a little bit more closely, it's kind of important to, to definitely dive into those comics and see, you know what I mean, what we can pick out, if, if anything. So thank you, Petro, for breaking that down, because, yeah, I almost just breezed right through that. Uh, and Graduation Day, uh, six, six issues, was a pretty quick read, too, for how much fun it was. I think it just really kind of felt short. Um, I'm hoping that we see some major continuation of this, which I think we do at the end. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, graduation day essentially is just a story of Jamie or Jamie Jaime finding his purpose in the universe. Because at this point, he's just graduating and trying to come to terms with what it is he wants to do with his life. He has no idea. He's seeing his friends 
you know, get accepted into college and them getting ready to move over to school and, you know, family kind of putting the pressure on him on, on one way or another to, to kind of do something, whether it's his job or, or, or school focused, but he just has no idea what it is. You know, he's kind of still getting over the high of actually being a major superhero because the last time we see Blue Beetle in any major capacity is in Dark Crisis. And uh, that's important because he's one of the people that actually helped save and prevent everything from going down. Like he by himself does some, some damage, but um, yeah, he's, he's at this point just like, you know, why the hell do I even need to worry about a job or any of this? I could just be a superhero, right? Like what's the problem with that? And the cool thing about that is that we see, you know, <laughs> what it's like for him in this, this early mindset of a superhero, right? Like he's still not quite at the adult level of understanding what it means to, maybe have a real life on the side and not just be consumed with this superhero stuff, right? So we pick up with him again on his graduation day where <laughs> he's very late to it because he's in the bat, like he's in the middle of a battle downtown, I believe with uh, the hero or villain Fadeaway, which is the grandson or grandchild, I will say, because they refer to them as they in the comic. So, it's the grandchild of an older villain from the Silver Age, uh, Fadeaway Man, which basically had powers using uh, the, the cloak of Matt Cagliostro, which is kind of like Doctor Strange's cape, you know what I mean? I forget what that's called, but same idea, um, but a little bit more magical, I would say. Anyway, we find out he's a little late to it. He finishes up his tussle with Fadeaway and just barely makes it to graduate, like his graduation day ceremony where his name is actually called. But I believe the scarab, Kajida, right at that moment is like, hey, I don't care what's happening. There's an emergency incoming. We need to go take care of it right now. And just like, boom, takes him off into space to go try and receive this message, which we find out is most likely from the reach, right? Because it looks like reach language and the scarab is just going nuts. And at some point, him and the scarab actually lose some sort of connection between communicating. I think his signal becomes jammed at some point. He's just like, hey, what are you saying? I have no idea. And at that point, they kind of, you know, lose this, this intimate connection that they, they usually share. So that becomes important later because obviously it's a, it's a hurdle that he has to overcome, which is kind of cool. But uh, essentially during this process, he you know, tries to figure out what's happening, but can't. Um, I believe he comes back home to, like, very late to his own graduation party where he's basically met by Superman. Uh, and <laughs> Superman basically has this talk with him and thanks him, you know, hey, thanks for your dark crisis, you know, all that stuff that happened recently. Appreciate it. You showed up. But we're going to have to ground you. And he's like, what? Like, you know what I mean? It just absolutely crushes Jaime because, like, He's thinking Superman's there to call him for like the next big, you know, mission. But ultimately this kid just hears like, Hey, we got to have, you know, based on what we're seeing with this invasion or what we think is an invasion, we're going to have to leave you basically at arm's length for now until we determine what it is that they want and what it is that we can do about it. So obviously this leaves him crushed and feeling, you know, useless. He's like, dude, I just did all of this, this crap for you guys. And you're going to ground me like, what the hell? So after this conversation, he goes back in into his house and, and his parents hit him with another blow, which is that, hey, you know, you're not going to college. You, you don't have a job here. So we're going to send you to live with your aunt in Palmera City, um, <laughs> basically working through the summer to kind of figure it out 
You know what I mean? Figure out what it is you want to do with your life. Because superheroing is not it. Like, that can't be your only thing. So that's important because Palmyra City, and Petra, please jump in here, is the home to technological innovation in the DCU. It's like basically Blade Runner and compacted into to one city, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's mythical. It's not real, obviously, but it, it's in Texas. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just super futuristic. Yeah, Palmero City is uh, basically uh, the Blue Beetles' uh, Gotham, right? Like, it's that's where he's going to basically be doing his um, uh, superheroing activities, and that's where Ted Cord, uh, sorry, Cord Industries is. Um, and, uh, um, you know, he's from El Paso, but I think it's going to be, he's going to be living in uh, the, uh, a part of the city called the Keys in uh, Palmara City, which we see in the trailer as well of the show, the movie. Right, which is why, like, if you've seen the obvious promotion marketing stuff for it, it's all that, like, bright neon, like, Blade Runner-esque Miami, like, vice type, you know what I mean? Just, like, those colors, it's because it's very much set within, like, this highly innovative technologically advanced city so yeah cord industries is actually where like the greatest minds of the, the dcu meet like on a on a regular basis to figure out the latest and greatest you know tech and whatever it is so yeah i think uh ted cord himself honestly is, is a frequent uh, advisor counsel to to batman when he's doing stuff so yeah it's always kind of a cool thing to see but um, yeah, so we, we kind of pick up with Jaime getting to uh, Palmera City. And at this time, between his transition from home to Palmera City with his aunt, where he's going to be working at his diner, there's a villain that pops up, or we, what we think is a villain, uh, the Yellow Beetle. And we don't know what's going on, but there's like destruction going on and news going on everywhere that, you know, this villain's out there looking for the Blue Beetle. And nobody knows what's up. So Jaime is just kind of, you know, trying to tap into the Justice League members to see what's going on because he's still, you know, grounded. It's been a you know, couple weeks into this, this move for him, but he still has no idea what's going on. And he's basically not allowed to, you know, become the Blue Beetle to jump in and interfere because that could make things worse. So essentially we find out that, uh, yes, the Yellow Beetle is in fact after – Jaime or the Blue Beetle, Kaji Da. But on top of that, we get the introduction of, uh, of Ted Cord, who's been uh, doing some cool things. I, I don't want to go too much into it, but he's basically been messing with uh, Booster Gold because we haven't seen him for a while. But they're dealing with some multiverse time stream stuff, which I think is going to be important later. But anyway, uh, we get the introduction of, of Cord Industries and Ted Cord himself because I think Jaime makes his way over to Cord Industries for some reason or another because of the attack that happens between him and the Yellow Beetle. I think they have a battle somewhere near that, that, that area because of the history of the Blue Beetle and Ted Cord and yeah, it just lands him there. Uh, Petro, please correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm pretty sure that yeah. there wasn't really like a distinct reason why they like ended up at Ford Industries specifically to fight. Yeah, and that's and that's an important point, right? Is number one, we're getting introduced to other beetles, right? First, the yellow beetle, uh, which is uh, the name is uh, Dynasties, um, and uh, like our uh, the blue beetle is called uh, Kajida. This one's Om X. 
and the uh, the person that it's bonded with is Zayomara Erazo, who's really awesome. Um, that's going to be a very cool character, and that's important because we're also going to get other another beetle later on in the story. Um, but yeah, they've ended up at Court uh, Industries, I think, dur just during a fight. Which I think, again, the yellow beetle is just attacking um, because they just uh, have a strong reaction to to the blue beetle, which we find out later why. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of cool too. The, the yellow beetle reminds me, I think it was the Beetleborgs. If anybody remembers that show, big, bad Beetleborgs, they had like those, uh, it's like the power Rangers, but in beetle suits. Um, anyway, the, the yellow beetle kind of reminded me of that, but it's, uh, we find out that there's a girl, uh, named Siomara in there. Uh, she's a Salvadorian teacher who essentially was recently bonded with, um, Ohm X and, given this objective to find and destroy the blue beetle by any means necessary, uh, which I'll dive into in a little bit on why, but essentially she, dude, she's actually one of my favorite characters in this entire series. Just really quick. She's, she, her name actually means battle ready or war ready, if I'm not mistaken in Salvadorian. So kind of a cool little like footnote that they added, because if you see her, she just always has this like, menacing look on her face like dude don't don't f with me right now <laughs> like I'll, I'll i'll knock you out so i i actually really love her character man she's just really cool in her own way so hoping to see more of her but anyway uh what's her yeah, what's her name book what's her name siomara because it's x-i-o-m-a-r-a but yeah she's Ziomara. okay yeah okay. yeah okay. yeah Razo. Arazo is her last name. E R A Z O. Yep, that's it. Thank you. I was like trying to remember the last name, but yeah, her first name I believe means war ready or battle ready, if I'm not mistaken. I did some research. But uh, yeah, she's a cool character, man. I think you guys should uh, should bond with her pretty well because she's just got like a simple purpose, but turns out to to be a nice little connecting factor on the story evolving. Uh, but yeah, I believe from there, there's not too much that happens aside from that. And in issue two, I believe is where we see all that happen for the most part. But, uh, we pick up with, I believe there's a conversation at some point too, with Bruce and Ted, correct me, Petro, where Bruce is in the background, kind of keeping an eye on all of this, basically trying to figure out if he needs to get involved and shut the blue beetle down, like for good, for the most part just because, you know, Batman's Batman and doesn't trust anybody. So we kind of really see a good development of Ted Kord's, like, fatherly kind of, patri you know, patriarchal uh, bond over Jaime in a way, because, you know, he's looking out for Jaime in a lot of ways in this issue. And it actually, be you know, become became one of my favorite elements of the story, just because Ted is, you know, he's usually off-scene as not a serious character, him and Booster Gold. So for this story... I think they really set him up as a fatherly type figure to Jaime. I mean, he's got a dad, but, you know, I'm talking about his superhero dad, right? So he's kind of got this this idol or this legacy character to look up to in his darkest days should he ever need him. And I think they did a really good job of setting that up for the future. So if you guys aren't interested or weren't interested in Ted, now is probably a good time. And this, this series is definitely a good one to kind of get you introduced to his character. Um, but yeah, uh, again, Blue Beetle's still grounded, not allowed to do anything. I think at this point, Ted and his sister Victoria lock down the Yellow Beetle um, after the fight. They try, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on, why she's there, who she is. And I think she reveals that she's there 
to basically make way for what's called uh, the horizon. Um, it's this basically faction of the reach long ago that broke off basically because they just didn't, you know, see eye to eye with the reach and what they were doing and essentially created their own little faction to basically destroy all reach technology and influence where possible because they knew how destructive they were. So that's where this blue beetle comes from. It's basically a counterpart to, or this blue beetle, this yellow beetle comes from. It's basically a counterpart to blue beetle and what his purpose was, which is directly from the reach, right? Um, but at the end, I believe of two, we see Starfire come into play, and she kind of comes to basically tell you know Jaime, hey, I'm going to become your mentor. I want to basically kind of help you through this all. I know everybody else is kind of letting you down here. I understand what it's like, so let me be your mentor and guide through whatever it is you're going through until you kind of figure it out. So at that point, I will let Petro uh, interject. Yeah, no, uh, it's perfect, actually, Buck. So we've got, you know, we've got Jaime basically sidelined. We've got the introduction of the Yellow Beetle. Uh, we now have Starfire from the Teen Titans come in and say, hey, I think... The, you know, this sounds familiar that maybe there's something I can get from the, the Titan archives. Um, and we've got the introduction of a second uh, beetle, which is the green beetle, which is uh, Natidia, Natidia, Natida, uh, Natida, N-I-T-I-D-A, uh, which has, yeah, yeah which has the ability to become uh, huge, like just like a, um, you know, like a mat, you know, uh, can grow, which is very important because the scarab, the blue beetle from the original, uh, Dan Garrett, had a couple of episodes where he became, you know, the size of a building. And uh, this kind of helps explain that the scarabs themselves have the ability to do many different types of, um, you know, powerful, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, power blocks and all this other stuff as well. But, but the important thing is, is that we're now um, starting to get a little bit of information regarding where, um, what, you know, where the yellow and the green beetle are coming from and why did they attack the blue beetle, which is the importance being the horizon as Buck, uh, as Buck um, uh, stated earlier. So I think that's where we're at right now, Buck. Sorry, go. No, that's a great point because, yeah, there's uh, they, I think they mention specifically and they keep referring to a lot of anime references in this comic. I think there's at least three or four, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but they mentioned that that she has the, the ability to grow kaiju sized, I think is the exact word they used. And I thought that was pretty funny because obvious reasons, right? So, yeah, that's another important thing to, to note in the movie coming up, man. I know all of you saw that trailer for the Blue Beetle and that the sword, sword dragging the scene. Sword, yeah, man, that's like, just the best. Dude, the anime references in this movie and character alone are very high. So, just keep an eye out for that because obviously we've talked about this before, you know, as a community and how, you know, DC's shifting towards that anime, not focus, but at least audience, right? Like they're trying to capture a little bit more of that audience. So this is kind of a great way to do that a little bit more covertly without just being like, hey, and, you know, so in my opinion. Anyway. And it's important because um, Jaime, uh, Jaime's uh, Blue Beetle has important roots with anime because Jeff Johns, who um, was the writer originally, um, loved the Giver. 
which um, if anybody has uh, manga or anime from the 80s, the Giver was a massive, massive um, manga and anime, which is, I think, still going on, but it's amazing. Like, it is some of the, you know, earliest manga with just some great art. And uh, it's basically a bioengineered artificial intelligence unit that fuses with a, uh, a person and whatever the person can think of, it helps create. And, um, and that's important because Jaime in the trailer, he, he the, the, the blue scarab will create whatever armament that he thinks of. And I think they are going to say something about manga and that's how he ends up getting that that killer sword, which is just uh, that's one of the best scenes ever, man. I just saw that. And I just I had to replay that about ten times because when he drags the sword, I was like, yes. Or actually, when he slaps his hands together and the sword comes out, I mean, that's just that's classic, right? So, so yeah, it was pretty. Uh, that was pretty pretty cool. Yeah, man, that scene's gonna be so sick. And I think we were talking about it too yesterday. That sword from uh, McFarlane MTD. I do. I want that sword by itself. Um, I know it's going to be the most scarce item. Forty nine. Actually, forty nine. I know. I'm like, oh, dude. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm not getting that. But I think, uh, yeah, I want to see what that thing goes for because I might have to pick that up at the, at the market if I if I don't land it. Anyway, that sword, dude. Just just keep an eye on the anime references. And yes, Giver was one of my favorite Petros. I told you growing up it was one of the few violent animes that my dad let me watch as a kid um <laughs> the crazy stuff that was going down that thing was man, brutal was just that was breaking. brutal yeah. like that was it was like breaking wrists and just they would show the visceral like craziness of it all too i was just like oh my god but yeah uh great great stuff man if you uh if you're not with kids i would check it out for sure What's up, Chewy? Welcome to the stage, man. How you doing today? What's up, everyone? I just uh, woke up. I seen your space was going. I'm like, oh, I got to jump in here and see what's going on. Hi, Chewy. Uh, morning. How are you? Good afternoon. Uh, Blue Beetle, I don't know if you guys are talking about it. I know you guys talk more so on the comic that's coming out. But I know uh, I just want to throw it out there. I sent Buck, I sent you the uh, little info yesterday. But they're saying the Blue Beetle movie, a lot of the uh, stunts and all that came from uh, ideas from the Injustice 2 game where Blue Beetle was a playable character. And uh, I don't know if you guys know it or not, but I believe it's season three of Young Justice. It's called Swarm. It goes in full detail about all the Beatles and all their colors and all that in the Young Justice season. So I don't know if you guys talk about any yeah. of that stuff, but I just listen in conversation, talk about the Green Beetle, this and that. I'm like, oh, wait, Young Justice literally went an entire season talking about the Beatles. So just want to throw it out there. Yeah, I thought season Thank season you. two was the full blue blue beetle with the reef. But I, if season three has that as well, I'm definitely going to watch. I want to learn way more about the Beatles. I like them a lot. Well, not the uh, Beatles. Was, you know. was it season two? Like I'm, I'm not. I can't remember. It was a while season, ago. I think it was season right. Two. Season two. Yeah, season two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was a while ago. I think it was right before they broke for like six or seven years or something before they came out with another season. So I couldn't remember which one it was, but there was one definitely that went full in detail of the Beatles. Yeah, that's the one, season two. Good looks, good looks. 
Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Buck. I've got busy for just a moment. I'll be right back. No, sorry no problem, that. man. No problem. Uh, yeah, you're good. Chewy, uh, just jump back in when you when you need to, man. Uh, Chewy, I was going to say, um, yeah, I know we, we kind of missed you in the earlier times, man. I apologize for that. But, yeah, no, we didn't talk about the injustice stuff. I think that was an important note you just made, too, because obviously, dude, I, I keep preaching, man, that like, all of those worlds are becoming more and more part of the fabric of DC and what they're planning to do in the future, right? It's, it's kind of like a dog whistle, almost what they're doing with anime and video games, because they know that those are some big markets for them to capture. I think that they're trying to bring those stories into the world to make them relevant for people to connect with. So the fact that they're using that, uh, that move list or his character, or I'm sorry, his, uh, his you know fighting moves list or whatever it is from injustice Two, that is amazing. It's an it's a, injustice Two, right? Or is it, the first one yeah it's it's uh injustice too i had to look it up i thought it was injustice three but they haven't came out with injustice three yet. it's only two uh yeah no so that's awesome yeah because again the injustice characters have like such a big tie to what's going on i think right now john kent's on that world with superman and uh trying to figure out the situation to help reverse whatever's going on so very important part of what's going on in the main dcu here so that's uh, that's just an extra, you know, a little bonus for us. So I'm excited to you know that. Thank you for that, Chewie. What's up, King? No, sorry about that. No, and, and real quick, and you know, because it's a good thing that Chewie was talking about the injustice too. But also, I also noticed, uh, you know, my my son has the Lego uh, the, the game as well. So I, I know he's in the uh, the Lego DC Super Villains game, and uh, and the Batman Three Beyond Gotham game that they've got as well. So which is pretty cool. Um, but as you know, Petro, I heard you say something about if you, a good place to start would be, I think you said Dawn of DC for like the Blue Beetle. Now the movie that's coming out or the movie that came out or is coming out is, is, is there, a, is, is that a good place kind of to kind of coincide the two storylines? I know, I know we've got a comic book coming out tomorrow or do you, do you think that comic book is going to kind of coincide with the movie as well? You know what I mean? So I just uh, kind of, you're trying to kind of, you know, Kind of bring all this together. Where's a good yeah. place to kind of really start? You said Donna DC earlier, so I just kind of want to, um, you know, pick through that a little. Yeah. Bit. So the Donna DC is the general umbrella term for the reintroduction of characters and um, the reacquisition of Superman as the premier um, character within the DCU, right? But for the Blue Beetle. Um, he doesn't have uh, technically a, uh, a formal Dawn of DC uh, title, but th this comic that Buck has been talking about, Blue Beetle Graduation Day, which is a miniseries that came out at the end of 2022, um, is what we consider to be kind of like the Dawn of DC for the Blue Beetle and is a very good place uh, to start, I think the 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 2006 uh, volume, which we're getting the first comic on um, on DC three, I think probably wouldn't be a terrible one. Also to uh, to get because you're going to have a little bit of the history in there. But um, in all honesty, I think the graduation day. Uh, that's part of the reason why we wanted to do this space or podcast was to hopefully give people kind of like a, a you know uh, you know obviously they can you know filter through whatever's important to them, but hopefully give them a little bit of an introduction on who Jaime Reyes is 
but I would say moving into the movie and being ready so that you understand the characters that are going to be there, including his family and um, uh, Ted Cord, Victoria Cord, and the costumes and stuff, that, and the, um, the bug and all this stuff that you're going to see in the movie. I think this six-issue miniseries, which is on the DCU Infinite Reader right now, the Blue Beetle graduation day would be a good place to start. Uh, highly recommend it. Okay, great. And that, and obviously now we got this uh, free membership, so I'll be able to uh, go ahead and take a look at that now. So I just look up a uh, Blue Beetle graduation day, you're saying, essentially? Yeah, actually, just put in Blue Beetle, and you'll get a lot of really good books. But if you put in Blue Beetle graduation day, you'll get the six-issue miniseries. And it is a very – it's a great, easy read – um, and uh, you can just move through, you know, you, as you finish one comic, it'll just uh, pull up the next one up for you. And it's, uh, it's six issues. And it's, um, yeah, I think pretty much everything you need to know, um, you know, to at least get you going through to the movie will be in there to, 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 to be ready for it. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Brad, shoot, Chewy. So uh, I don't know if you guys, I'm pretty sure you guys have been watching the trailers for Blue Beetle, but uh, I read an article yesterday, and Buck, the article was real. Um, but from what it sounds like, this Blue Beetle may have some multiverse uh, references in it, because I know one of the trailers they reference Batman, so there is the Batman in the movie, and also I was reading. Uh, the writer has high respect for the Snyderverse, and Henry Cavill's uh, Superman may be referenced in it, or at least the Snyderverse, uh, one of the fight scenes, or Superman Returns, or the beginning, the first Superman movie, wherever the fight took place, that might be referenced in this movie. So the multiverse might still be in there. That's awesome to hear, and... I would not be mad at that, man. Uh, bring on Superman. I, I, come on. Uh, one thing, too, uh, Chewy, to that point, is um, that's one of actually the Blue Beetle's powers, right, is that he has the ability with a suit to travel through the bleed, which is basically the fabric between multiverses, right? So if you want to get to Earth 3 or 4 or whatever, you have to travel what's known as the bleed, or through the bleed, sorry. Um, and that is one of his major powers. If I'm not mistaken, it's, it's probably his top in his list of top 10 powers right or something like that so yeah that's an important thing and i definitely could see them trying to tie him to the multiverse in a big way because it's you know what i mean it's inherent within him so yeah i think the the multiverse thing man i'm hoping they play on and i'm hoping we see some version of it maybe even like they did with the, the what was it, the titan show right where they had like the cartoon versions or something like i would love to see that man just a reference to all of that stuff is always fun to see so we're, we're seeing it more and more, you know, frequently. I know those of you who, who've seen uh, My Adventures with Superman, uh, Petro, uh, The League of Lois Lanes uh, was a really cool reference to see. Oh, my God, the original Earth Lois Prime. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's, that's supposed to be the Earth where Superboy Prime is from, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it's like Earth Zero. I don't think it's that Earth. But anyway, which is Earth Two, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but my point to that is that, uh, yeah, man, uh, multiverse is definitely something that I, I see them playing big on with this character. And 
again, another reason why he's, he's you know what I mean, going to be, in my opinion, one of the big five that they move forward with when they try and not reimagine the Trinity, but, like, put the next generation of heroes in its place for now, which will, you know, consist probably of Blue Beetle, in my opinion, at some point. So, yeah. Uh, Petra, what's up, buddy? Oh, I just wanted to say as well, I, I read that same article, Chewy, that um, uh, the director was saying, hey, I've got a you know huge re- respect for Snyder, and there's references of it in the movie. But remember, it 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 doesn't matter because James Gunn has already said, you know, uh, for him right now, uh, Cavill is not a fact. Like, he's, he's recreating the whole DCU. So, um, you know, uh, yes, uh, we know time travel as well as multiversal stuff is, is the capabilities of the Blue Beetle. But, um, you know, we've got to get him through the first movie first and then hopefully have him establish as a um as a as a big character moving forward which i hope they do because i think he's got really a lot of potential um to make a connection and i think zolo um the the actor can can really kind of um uh you know uh, make him a very relatable character uh so i'm hoping that you know however he does at the box office that they'll still try to somehow uh use the blue beetle later on plus he just looks you know it's just such a great costume and and great history and and a lot that i think he can and um you know uh, give to the dcu and he's been in everything right like he's been in the the justice league justice league international i mean um, you know, he's, he's in all the major crises events, uh, almost. And, and it's, uh, it's very important, I think, to have him involved, which, um, I'm very excited about. Yeah. One little note too, if you're reading the comics where I'm about to pick up from really quick, uh, I think Jaime in the comic is actually wearing a sweatshirt or a shirt that says Zola yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Is I saw awesome, that. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> I was like, you must have loved that, man. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a cool little connection to kind of throw in there. If anybody's paying attention, a little Easter egg, I guess, that they threw out for us. So, uh, yeah, actually, in that same issue, picking up just to kind of close off the story of Graduation Day, um, we do see uh, the reintroduction of Fadeaway, who has basically kidnapped in some capacity uh, Brenda and Paco, who are Jaime's uh, best friends. Um, basically, Fadeaway is trying to help or get help with a heist, um, basically stealing what is known as the bag of tricks from Victoria Cord or Cord Industries because, you know, one way or another, that's, that's kind of the plan. So essentially, not diving too, too deep into that and, and what's going on, but essentially Paco, Brenda, and Jaime agree, thinking, you know, okay, this is for the better. We're going to go get back somebody's, you know, items that were rightfully theirs. But in the process, they basically, you know, obviously Jaime has access to, to court industries at this point, so he, he can get in there pretty easily. But, this, you know, the area that they need to get into is, is heavily locked down. So at some point or another, he uses his blue beetle suit. And because he's not still really linking up with Kazi Da, I think he overshoots the power overload that he needs to basically shut down the, you know, the security systems and basically, like, causes this massive explosion and all of this stuff kind of goes down in terms of like the yellow beetle escaping and you know security kind of chasing after them so it becomes this really big problem and ted and victoria come back and are just pissed right like they're pissed for one he let the the yellow beetle escape right like that's the 
first and foremost issue. That, that that villain is out and into the world. No matter what they can do, they can't really retrieve her because they didn't have the proper tech to, to kind of figure out where she was. But the second thing is that <laughs> Blue Beetle or Jaime, he still doesn't really understand like the intricacies of kind of how the broader things work in terms of, you know, sometimes you have to dip into, you know, a little bit of the bad or use a little bit of the bad to do greater good. Right. And I think Victoria kind of tells him, Hey, like that bag of tricks. Yeah. I had it stolen by a villain, but it was better that than it being on the streets. Right. Like if I hadn't done that, then it would be out there causing God knows what. And he hadn't seen it like that, which causes him to kind of become a little bit more grounded on the, uh, the blue beetle family side. So just kind of a, another downer for him. In, a, in another consecutive blow in like the series. So he's just kind of been losing this entire time, which is, you know, avoidable in some aspects, but you know what I mean? He's just so eager to play that superhero role right now that he thinks he can do it all and just knows it all because he's a teenager, right? Like that's the great, great part of this story. It's a, it's a coming of age story as much as it is like his actual graduation. So there's that kind of double entendre happening as we kind of go through his, you know, his experiences here in Palmyra city. But um, we, we end up picking up from there where uh, high or fadeaway takes off and, you know, says, thanks buddy. And ended up tricking Jaime and Brenda and Paco, because obviously that's what they do. Uh, essentially we kind of come back to the justice league saying, okay, well, we can't really rely on this kid. We've got this incoming invasion. It's picking up in speed. We're getting more and more aggressive alerts. What the hell's going on? And nobody can understand really what's happening uh, until basically I think Starfire comes back with some information that basically reveals that, hey, uh, this, this incoming ship, it's, it's part of a faction called the Horizon, as I mentioned earlier, which basically may not be an enemy, right? Like they may not actually be the enemy. They may actually be here for something else. But the rest of the league just isn't ready to hear it because they, you know, again, nobody can confirm or deny that information. So at some point, uh, <laughs> Batman assembles the Justice League to, to go on full assault. And he's got Shazam, Cyborg, uh, what was it, Black Condor, was it, Petro? I can't remember that guy's name, but he's, yeah, he's the, one of the funniest yeah, the characters. Black Condor, the Green Lantern. Um, Jessica Cruz, yeah. yeah. Stupid like, Cyborg, so he's, he's, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. Which we'll reveal in a second, but he is, he basically assembles this team and they go on assault to try and stop, or at least take care of the ship and probably like deal with it in space on a, on a, you know, battle type level. Um, so at some point, I think the blue, the yellow and green beetle are in confrontation with I man, the blue beetle suit and blue, uh, Cyborg has his eye set on shooting one of the, the Beatles. And essentially, Batman's giving him the orders to do it in one ear. And Starfire's in his other ear, like, don't do this. Like, you, you're, you're a superhero, right? Like, you're supposed to find a better way to deal with this. And Cyborg's just not having it. He's like, nah, man, like, we got to shut this crap down now. So he inadvertently makes the call to essentially shoot. And Jaime, I believe, takes the bullet for for one of the Beatles and just goes down, right? And he's just like, oh, man, what did I do? So Cyborg's in some trouble with Starfire and the Blue Beetle at this point. Um, it's kind of a big moment, in my opinion, because it's not typically like Cyborg to, to deal with a situation like that, right? Like, he's kind of 
typically better than that. And I thought uh, it was an important thing to happen in this story because I think it'll give Jaime and Cyborg something to, to you know what I mean? Try and get over together and, and grow in some sort of friendship capacity because, yeah, it was a – it's a pretty dick move, man. <laughs> like he just shot him dead. Like it looked like he was dead, but yeah, he shot him down, man. And it was pretty bad. So yeah, there was a pretty big uh, situation there where essentially from that point, I believe I may regains like full control because. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> like a, it's like a, it's like a transformation. Then he gets, uh, yeah. And then he, he bonds uh, even stronger with the scarab and then he gets the legato armor. So now he's got the like even even an upgrade to his armor as well, which is awesome. Right, yeah. So it's kind of cool that panel or that splash page where it just basically you know shows the historical lineage of the Blue Beetle character, right? From Dan to Ted to now Jaime. And honestly, man, I really hope that's a card someday on Hero because yes, I am buying that all day. But yeah, it just kind of starts to bring more into the fourfold of that word, the legacy, right? Like we're seeing it everywhere. And like that word is all over this page. Like I have to live up to the legacy. You know, it's the legacy before me that, and it's just like, dude, could you guys be any more like on the nose? So yeah, I thought that was kind of cool and important. Make sure you guys, you know, check out that page at the very least and, and look it over because there's a lot of cool artwork as well as just the wording and language that they're using, you know, in that, you know, that particular page. But uh, picking up from there and getting ready to close out on this one, once uh, the legato armor is activated, he's, like Petro said, restored fully with Kaji Da. He can understand Kaji again. And they essentially are left with the choice by Superman, who says, you know, we've messed up as superheroes. We let you down. We put you at arm's length. We should have actually included you from the, from the start, you know what I mean, and try to have you help us. But we messed up, so what we're going to do is have you run the assault and essentially figure out the game plan for what we're going to do here, which is kind of a big moment for Jaime, right? So he, it's basically what he's been looking for all summer and just, you know what I mean? Trying to basically become a superhero. So he comes into action and steps up big and comes up with a plan and says, Hey, I actually, you know, now that I'm reestablished with Kaji, I can understand the language and it's actually not an incoming attack. It's an incoming SOS. And these people need help. So he steps up in, like I said, a big way where he, you know, gets the Justice League to basically full frontal, like, go into rescue mode where he uses some massive proportion of his power where, like, he's really powerful, man. Like, I, I, he uses some, like, concussive blast force field or something to basically stop the ship, like, dead in its tracks to at least slow down to such a level where it's not going to cause any more damage. So... At that point, he basically depletes his power levels and just goes into like this unconscious, almost dead state, and he starts crashing to Earth. But there's a really powerful moment there, man, and I love it. It's my favorite probably scene in the entire book, personally. But Starfire is like, oh, my God, he's falling. He's falling. Somebody needs to get him. And boom, just as he like, you kind of think he's going to, you know, hit it, like Superman's there to catch him. And he's like, I gotcha. And he just carries him down to earth in his arms. You know what I mean? So it's kind of cool to see that like he had that element of support the entire time, because that's one of the things that he draws on for using that massive concussive blast is he's like, you know, this entire time I thought it was about me, but it's becoming a superhero is more about your family, 
your friends and the people around you, you know, your community to basically make you who you are. So him tapping into that was kind of a big moment and it showed to, to pay off. Right. So just kind of a cool thing, man. Superman showing up big for him just as much as he showed up big for them. So yeah, it was a kind of an amazing way to, to show him use the best of his powers in the biggest way. Uh, but as, as the ship kind of lands to earth, and we close off on the story. We find out that these the, the Horizon, which again is a faction of the Reach. They're like surprised that this blue beetle thing is essentially like still here. They're looking at the yellow and green beetle like, hey, why didn't you guys take care of this thing already? Why is he still alive, basically, right? You guys basically disobeyed your objective. And they reveal to the Horizon that essentially that, no, he, Jaime, was able to essentially override the objectives of the reach and bond with the, the scarab in such a way that allowed him full control, right. To use the scarab for good rather than ultimate destruction, like it was intended to. So they kind of are a little iffy about it, but you know, they kind of agree that like, okay, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on it, but we're, we're, we're going to be okay with it for now. Um, but in the time in that, that, that all happens, I think Batman and Superman and all the other, superheroes are trying to determine what to do with this, you know, refugee camp of, of, you know, alien race. And I think, you know, the, the idea, at least from super Batman is like, Hey, put them on another home world somewhere out in space. You know what I mean? Like get them the hell out of here basically. And Jaime is like, nah, dude, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to actually set up a community for them here. I'm going to protect them. This is going to be my new calling, right? Like it's going to be my thing. They're going to be my people. I'm going to watch over them. They're never going to have to worry about feeling alone, you know, unprotected and scared out in the universe again. So it's a massive way for Jaime to, like I said, just really come into his own light, find out what his purpose is as a superhero and really connect with those that, you know what I mean? He's doing all of it for in a bigger way than, you know, we kind of saw him before where he was just some kid and didn't know what he wanted to do with his life, but just assumed he could always superhero. So now we see him come into this protector kind of state and actually fill the role of making those big decisions and kind of understanding what it means to, you know what I mean? Wear the scarab or utilize the scarab in the way that he needs to use it to, to kind of become that superhero that he wants to be. So very cool story, man. Um, there is an epilogue, but very cool story overall. Uh, one of my favorites and the, the epilogue that, kind of helps give it some light in terms of seeing the story continue is the bag of tricks that Fadeaway had stolen actually introduces the character gimmicks. And what happens is uh, we essentially see those characters kind of come into the light as a potential red beetle. So there's a, there's some major things happening uh, in the, in the future. I think with the scarab wars, they call it, if I'm not mistaken, but Give me one second, man. I have to uh, take this call really quick. I'm so sorry. Give me one second. Petro, uh, if you want to jump. Yeah, no, that's uh, pretty much um, it. <laughs> that's uh, the full retrospective of the Blue Beetle. So if anybody has any questions about that, uh, let's uh, let's answer them or, or at least talk about the, the trailer or something as well. Go ahead, Chewie. Uh, it's yeah, no, that's great. Um, that I love it. Uh, just want to throw it out there a little bit off topic, but it's still Blue Beetle related. If you check your emails, DC sent out a 
email for early access for that McFarland uh, drop Friday. So go check it out and see what it says. And that's for allow list two, right, Chewy? Uh, I think it says, I don't know, whatever is 9.50 a.m., whatever that drop is. So. Yeah, that's allow list two. I think the allow list one is nine, if I'm not mistaken. And then allow list two is 9.45, I thought. And then um, and then public um, is at uh, 10. Okay, so yeah, like yeah, that's probably two because uh, I just have to look at my email, see it. So I just want to throw it out there, let you guys know. It's uh for the Blue Beetle guy. So you guys have a we have a law list for it. Yay! I don't know. I don't go for those. That's just me. They changed the price on it as well, correct? They lowered it to uh, thirty-seven fifty, I think. Uh, they said that whoever's in allow list one will get twenty-five percent off. So I think that's where the 3750 comes from is for people that are in the allow list one. Um, everybody else, I think allow list two and public will still be the same, uh, which will be um, $50 worth of, of Matic, I guess. $50 and yeah. Yeah, $50 yeah, worth of Matic. So, so Petro, and again, I, I kind of been popping in and out, so sorry about that. No you worries, know, no worries. Yeah, no, no, we went, but, we went uh, long. We, it, and again, this was mostly just for <laughs> recording so that we can have it. Uh, people, you know, maybe in the future want to learn more about Blue Beetle or if somebody has questions, they can just come back to this recording, right, rather than having us go through it again, so. So, well, with the movie, and again, we've only seen a couple of the trailers, the the i guess the the main arch enemy we will see will be the reach or la dama uh, i or... think it'll be carapax so i think they're going to keep it simple okay. so i think we'll have carapax uh will be the 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 main kind of villain person but victoria cord who is ted cord's sister is obviously kind of going to be pulling like susan they're not they're not bringing in susan sarandon to be um you know, just anybody kind of thing. So I think she's going to be uh, uh, either a secondary villain or somebody not that very, very nice. So. And uh, Carapax will be played by Raul Max Trujillo uh, will be Carapax in the movie. I don't, I don't know that actor, but he, I guess he's done a few other stuff. Yeah, that that movie is going to be great, and uh, I'm so sorry. I feel like I have to. I'm going to end up be cutting this off a little sooner than intended, but I'm getting hit up at work right now, man. It is, it is a busy day. Well, I think we, I um, think we pretty much did, covered everything. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's. I, was say, I feel like this was. Sorry, go ahead, Petro. I was just going to say, I think we got every all the you know the major pieces of information. I think people have places where they can go, and um, and again, we have the the uh, the Blue Beetle Volume Six dropping on um, uh, DC um, DC uh, three, 
uh, with the Bat Cows project on Thursday, and then McFarland Toys Digital will be dropping uh, their Blue Beetle um, uh, statue, which uh, I'll be going for both. And and actually, the the Blue Beetle comic, I think it's it's actually the one on the DC three reader. I think it's going to be enough as well to get you ready for the movie as well, because it does have the origin story for um, for um, um, uh, Jaime Reyes. So I think it'll be enough to to get you ready for it. Yeah, definitely will. I think uh, if yeah, if you want to even go deep diving a little bit more, um, if you go on the DCUI, uh, just type in uh, Blue Beetle, like Petro said, and there's a get to know section that they do on certain characters where they give you like the most prominent stories of that character and you know their adventures basically. So if you really kind of just want a general splash page of what it is to to kind of get into the most important or not even most important, but most mainstream versions, right. That everybody might know. So that's a good way to kind of connect with that guy too. So definitely check that out. But uh, assuming nobody has any questions or anything, um, I'm hoping we can do another space like this soon. Uh, But if anybody does have any questions, I'm going to start opening up polls or, you know, general questions to the actual podcast themselves. So hopefully you guys can leave a little feedback in terms of things you liked or didn't like and, just may want to see moving forward. So I'll make sure to do that with this one. Um, but in the meantime, I do appreciate King coming hold it, holding it down, man, as our, as our gargoyle, as always. I am very appreciative to see you up here, man. Thank you so much. Chewy, thanks, man. I know we always do this early, and we appreciate you coming here today and hanging out with us. Hopefully you had some coffee. We missed it, but hopefully you had a little coffee with you today. Um, everybody else, thank you for joining and coming and spending your day with us, man. We always appreciate and love you guys. You know, the support is everything to us and why we do this, man. Like we'd just love to have a little bit of, you know, ego to talk about these comics between ourselves. Sure. And we appreciate you guys listening, but yeah, it means a lot that you guys just love to come in here and and listen to us talk between each other about comics, like some nerds. So definitely much love, man. and, And we appreciate it. So thanks so much for everybody to join and uh, I have to shout out my mom for this one, man. She kind of came up with the idea to do this between Petro and I. She's like, hey, why aren't you guys doing uh, – because she listens, right? So she's like, why aren't you guys doing an episode on the Spanish character, right? Like, you're Spanish. Like, why don't you do it? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, we probably should be doing a Blue Beetle movie. And that was, you know, where we came to last week with this idea. So, yeah, thank you, Petro, for doing that research, man. And uh, thank you so much for the awesome breakdowns, as always. I mean, you kill it, man needed to, to make sure that the community heard your, your awesome breakdown from yesterday because I felt so bad about the recording. So, yeah, just thank you, everybody. Can't thank you guys enough. And we'll see you guys on the next one, man. Take it easy. Peace. Hasta luego. See you guys. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out.